they actually gave me a couple of options. I won't get into the options, but they said, we really think you can only do one of these two or three things. You got to be really careful with your life and what you can do. And it was great because I walked out of the session and I said, you're wrong. I can do whatever I want. Welcome to Humans of SaaS. I'm your host, Ben Wynn, and on this show, I talk to entrepreneurs, innovators, and leaders from the tech industry who each have a unique and compelling story to share. Today, my guest is Arjun Devgan, VP of Global Customer Success at Amplitude and recent founder of Invisibility.org, an initiative built to empower working professionals with invisible disabilities. Arjun recently opened up in a blog post about his own invisible disability for the first time publicly in his over 20-year career, and it was incredibly open, honest, emotional, and vulnerable, so I am thrilled to have him on the show to dive deeper in. Thank you for coming on the show. No, thank you very much for having me. And I've, um, you know, I think the outreach and outpouring after I wrote that blog has been amazing, and it's given me an opportunity to talk a little bit more about what I wrote. Uh, so I'm excited to have this conversation today. Were you surprised by the reaction? I think I was surprised by the volume of outreach, um, not by the sort of tone of the outreach, because I was hoping that the reaction to it would be creating an environment where people would do that level of outreach and, and have a conversation about the topic that I wrote about. So, you know, the challenge for me is making the time and space to keep this up because it's something I want to do for the rest of my life and not write one blog post about. I mean, when you think about the, the bigger picture of mental health and vulnerability at work, it's something where it's not a one and done. It's something that if we don't stop, if we stop talking about it, then we forget about it. The same thing when it comes to invisible disabilities we have to keep that conversation going and it needs to be something that we're always thinking about. It can't be a, yeah, I completely agree. Not, not a one and done thing won't have the impact that you're looking for. I think the, the broader benefit of this blog and of these, these types of conversations we've had is made people realize that you just need to have more conversations about what people are going through, whether it's a disability mm. or not, whether it's invisible or not, because, um, you know, the last 18 months, if you've learned anything at all from the last 18 months, it's that, there's a lot going on in people's life. I talk a lot about parents because I'm a parent and, and what parents mm -hmm. have had to deal with over the last 18 months. Having a conversation about that is super important in the context of making sure that they can be sort of healthy and productive at work, right? I, I've definitely appreciated the fact that there's parallels between even what I'm doing and some of the broader things we are all experiencing. Definitely. And I, I mean, even in, in terms of having that open conversation, I remember part of your blog, you talked about a manager you'd had that think they were upset at you or, or they weren't being accommodating, but they didn't know what was going on and they didn't know that they needed to be accommodating in a certain way. And I'm sure that manager, if they knew, I mean, I'm assuming would now feel mortified that they made you feel that way. Cause you know, assuming everyone has the best of intentions, people want to be accommodating, but we can't be accommodating of each other if we don't know each other's situations. Definitely. And just taking a step back on the blog, right? So I think the theme from the blog it is not intended to be a, hey, look how difficult my life was, or hey, you know, people didn't create the space for me, or my companies weren't supportive. I actually felt quite supportive, to be to be honest, over the last 20 years. I'm very fortunate. I think the point is, how much of it is on you? Like, what is your responsibility uh, when you're dealing with something, whether it's an invisible disability or a specific condition that is impacting you? You know, I think it's important to realize that even though you may expect others, including your employer, maybe your manager, maybe your peers, maybe your family, it's nothing to do with work. Maybe it's in your personal life, you're looking for accommodations. I think if you can empower yourself 
to speak about these things and what kind of accommodations you need, it allows people to have a better understanding of what your needs are, right? And then you, at least the people who have a desire to adjust to those needs can adjust to it and, and create those accommodations for you. Also, it's very personal how much I want to talk about my disability, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to go every morning and have a conversation about it with everybody. <laughs> um, I want to yeah. go about my life as I please, right? So. Yeah. I want to decide how much of a conversation we have. Some days I want to open up big time and have a two hour conversation with people about it. And sometimes I want to go three months without mentioning it. Right. So this gives me the power to be able to come in. And I talk a lot about like when you start a new job, when you start a new relationship, explaining sort of just the context up front. So you don't have to eventually get around to the point of talking about the fact that you can't see, right? Like I I do this with new managers. So for sure. So, you know, everyone gets a new manager every, you know, one or two years. Right. And it's really Mm -hmm. important to say, Hey, I just want you to know that I have a visual disability and you may notice sometimes that I ask you to, you know, when I was in the office, I would always say, if you're showing me something in your monitor, I I will always ask you to forward me an electronic copy so I can see it on my own screen, right? Right. Um, So I'll sort of set some parameters so they know, because I don't want to deal with it in the moment when we are in a meeting, when there's 15 other people, I want to like set that upfront context. Same with people who report to me or people who work very closely with me. Be upfront, share share what your needs are, because actually I I almost think like people respect you for it because they're like, wow, Mm -hmm. you're, you're feel so comfortable asking. And I, I feel I feel grateful that you ex, you know you shared with me and you're giving me an opportunity to help you you know be successful at work. I love that perspective. I may have gotten a little bit ahead of myself, and and obviously we'll be sharing your blog with everyone. But yes. to give people a bit more more context, can you go a little bit deeper into explaining what exactly your in, invisible disability is, and maybe a bit about sort of your your journey to this point, why and how you you hit it for so long in your career? So you know the short version is that you know I did struggle with sort of various visual impairments that were that are pretty common throughout my life. When I was a freshman in college, I su- suffered a devastating injury that resulted in me being becoming blind in my right eye and eventually becoming legally blind in my left eye. My vision is like below 2200 in my left eye even when it's corrected. It is very difficult for me to see anything on even a computer screen without my screen magnifier on. Uh, so mm-hmm. I've actually really enjoyed being at home where nobody else can sneak over my shoulder and see what I'm doing, <laughs> which True. you can't do in the office. So <laughs> so I can enlarge it as much as I want and everything is on Zoom and easily magnifiable, but, you know, can't do anything, you know, any hard copy stuff, whiteboards, uh, presentations mm-hmm. in a shared uh, screen, et cetera. None of that is possible. Um, and wow. then, you know, outside of the work environment, like anything that is in, in a darker setting is pretty difficult for me. It's pretty intimidating being out in the evenings or being at a you know, a restaurant uh, or at a business event that is in the evening or in a dark auditorium, like all those things are very challenging. Well, you mentioned that you uh, you used to memorize the entrees before going to an event and then you would yes. pretend to read the menu. Yes. Yeah, I did that early days. Right. So, you know, when you're when you're like 25 and you're invited to an important business dinner, first, what happened was I went to an event and I couldn't read the menu. And I couldn't figure out how to place the order without it exposing to the world that I couldn't see it, right? I don't, right. I don't remember how I got through it, but I, my workaround was to memorize the menus. That also backfired one time when they changed the menu and they had a oh, prefix no. instead oh, of what no. was on the website. Um, but, you oh, know, no. I, I mean, you know, depending on your, your comfort level, right? If, you're, if I was a junior person back there and if the people around me were customers or senior executives, I wasn't about to say, hey, can you please let me know what it says here. Like, what are some of the options for dinner, right? 
So you right. kind of have to plan ahead, but you know, eventually you can you figure it out. Now the the solution to it is you let the people and the organizers know ahead of time that you need an accommodation. You may need the menu provided ahead of time so you can choose your dish, or you may need somebody over there to guide you. And I love that the iPhone has a magnifier and a flashlight built into it. So that has been amazing. I love technology. Uh, so True. Uh, you know, those things have helped, but. At the same time, it is ridiculous that you don't ask for accommodations. Like it wasn't my fault that I couldn't see. And you right. shouldn't miss out on the business dinner just because you can't see the menu, right? Or order the wrong thing. So uh, some of it is just like, you know, realizing that it's okay to ask for certain things. And by doing it, maybe you're making it a little bit normal for everybody else to ask for these accommodations. Because certainly there are people who roll their eyes and they're like, well, why does this person always have so many needs? Well, I just have different needs than you. But you have needs yep. too, and other people have needs too. So if we all talk about it, people will realize that we're not being demanding. We're just being reasonable about the things yep. we need in order to be able to function in our lives, right? Uh, you wouldn't tell somebody in a wheelchair that it's unreasonable to ask for a ramp in a building, right? It's law. Yeah. Now it's law. <laughs> but there was a time when it was not law, right? And, and right. that's really what it is. Like It is perfectly reasonable to ask for them to have that accommodation so they can do the same things we can, right? Definitely. And I love yeah. your point about, you know, the fact that everyone needs some sort of accommodation. And often it just takes one person to be willing to be the person to put themselves out there and say, hey, like, I need this accommodation to sort of give everyone permission to, or to, to pave the way for other people that are in the room to also be upfront and open about their uh, accommodations that they might need. So when it comes to so in, in your in your blog, you, you mentioned that you weren't really sure you really, so you said you didn't really have a good sense of why you finally decided to open up about something so deeply personal. I'm curious, as you've thought about it more and you've been speaking with so many people about this, has that changed? Do you, do you have a sense of, of what that might have been or is it still somewhat of a mystery? So the domain, I bought the domain 11 years ago. So that tells you that I've been thinking about doing oh, this wow. for 11 years. Uh, I wonder how much money I spent on that domain name <laughs> yeah. for over 11 years. Exactly. Not, not, not with it. Uh, you have to kind of muster up the courage to tell a broad audience, right? I mean, I think it is something to do with where I'm in my life, which is you feel nervous because you don't know how people are going to react to it, right? And you're mm -hmm. hoping for like massive positive outpouring and support, but you're also afraid of what it might label you as. Like, I'll be honest, like I wonder sometimes if I don't worry about this anymore, but there was a time in my life where I worried if it would impact people's decision, how they progress me through you know, my career. Very early in my life, before I graduated college, I was sent to a consultation where we were talking about the kind of career choices somebody with a visual impairment might have, right? Mm -hmm. And they actually gave me a couple of options. I won't get into the options, but they said, we really think you can only do one of these two or three things. You got to be really careful with your life and what you can do. And it was great because I walked out of the session and I said, you're wrong. I can do whatever I want. I will do exactly what I want to do in my life and I will not be limited to two or three careers, right? And I think there's a couple of things that contributed to it. One, we had had a blind scientist come and present at my college like the previous semester. Uh, he oh, was wow. a Berkeley PhD. He's one of the most famous scientists out there and he teaches. I'm like, look at this guy. Like, he, like you know, he's doing, he's doing exactly what he wants and he's excelling at his, at his field. And so I'm certainly not going to be limited to these, you know, two jobs that are not aligned with my career interests, right? I've always wanted to, you know, do that, but I, I did worry by that sort of perspective on like, you know, are, are certain people who are not, you know, open enough thinking about this as a limiting factor in my career and maybe that played a role, right? So I still don't know exactly what prompted it, but I'm, I'm so glad it, I did open up, right? I certainly think 
maybe tech companies, including Amplitude, have created the space for people to be able to do it. Like subconsciously somewhere, they're like, hey, it's okay. You should you should talk about this. Uh, it's not going to put you down. And um, I think that it, that has been really great. Uh, soul cleansing, if you will. Today's show is brought to you by Catalyst Software, the fastest growing customer success platform on the market. Catalyst gives you unmatched customizability, a seamless bi-directional Salesforce integration that takes less than five minutes to set up, and a world-class customer success team that'll be by your side every step of the way. Let's be honest, whatever you're currently using might be good enough, but is good enough really what you're aiming for? Take your CS team to the next level by switching to Catalyst today. To learn more, visit catalyst.io. And if you aren't looking for a CS platform right now, you should subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on LinkedIn anyways. I make daily memes, we host all sorts of events, and we love to give away our swag, which has been called the comfiest swag in the industry. Again, check out catalyst.io to learn more. Hearing the way that Arjun explained this, it sounded so common sense, yet it was something I hadn't really thought of in, in that way before. Personally, you know, not being affected by an invisible disability, I'm sure I've worked with people who have them who, you know, have required accommodation that I that I just didn't know about. But hearing him explain it in, in, in such a way really just sounded like it like why haven't we been talking about this and doing this for the whole freaking time? Like why has it been such a an issue for people to talk about the accommodations that they need. Like we're talking about the things that they need in order to do their job well. You need a computer in order to do your job well. You need, you know, a workspace to do your job well. So if some people need, you know, a standing desk or some people need a magnified screen or some people need, you know, a ramp in order to access the freaking office, you know, why should that be any different? And I think for reasons that are that seem stupid now are natural stigmas that come up or, you know, assumptions that people might make about those requesting the accommodations. I think it just seems so ridiculous and I'm glad that we're finally in a place where we can look at this as just a, a, a part of life. People, different people need different accommodations for all different things. And part of working together as a team is making sure that we're empowering everyone that we work with to do their best work, whatever that means. I remember working, because all workplaces are different. I remember working at a healthcare company and it was the first time in a workplace that a colleague did a presentation essentially to the team saying, I have Crohn's and I have IBS and I'm on these medications. I may need to leave a room very suddenly. I may need to, you know, have this, these accommodations and everyone nods, smiles. Okay, great. And from then on, I mean, there were no issues around that. And I, and it made me think like how many people are out there with those same issues where, you know, they're too embarrassed to, to talk about it. They feel like they can't, or they don't feel comfortable with it. And it's so important, again, it's these invisible things that we, we don't know about each other. But so on that note, I wanted to ask you, like, what some things you think that companies or specific team members can do to create that environment where people do feel comfortable to have that psychological safety to speak about their accommodations and what they need? Yeah, I think, you know, some things that I've seen, um, I think most startups, younger tech companies that I've interacted with, are doing things to demonstrate that they, this is top of mind for them. I mean, Catalyst is one of them. So I really appreciate all the posts from your founders on, on LinkedIn that I follow very closely. We have employee resource groups. I'm sure you guys do as well. It's, it's an awareness thing, which is, hey, we're here to talk about this topic because you may not know about it. And even if you're not a permanent employee resource group member, if you drop into a meeting, 
it'll help you learn a little bit about that either a minority or or a group that is affected by certain things or cares about a certain cause, et cetera, right? I think, you know, employers can also just make sure that regularly they remind people, both the people who are in charge at the company and people who work there, that it's okay to have these conversations. And it's actually important. It's, it's an important part of the, you know, the company endorses having open, you know, conversations about accommodations. Uh, mm-hmm. And and what may, what might be required, right? Because that allows people to say, okay, yes, it is authorized, and I'm I should definitely feel comfortable. I mean, that's the number one thing that comes up, especially with folks earlier in their careers, is they're like, look, great session, I still don't feel comfortable. Maybe they're worried about how people react to it or how people will perceive them, and I think we need to change that dynamic and say, you're going to be better once you share. You're going to be better. We're going to actually allow you to, you know, these things that are holding you back that are not your fault, we're going to remove those barriers and allow you to be better. That's kind of the conversation I want to have in the workplace and even outside. So critical for people in businesses to understand that because even if you don't, you resound with the, you know, be a good person argument, yes. like, yes. And, and the reason to do it. I remember when I was, I was on the founding team for Venture Out, which was Canada's first conference for LGBTQ inclusion in tech. And some of the research we looked at for that, it showed that like, Productivity decreased to uh, up to fifty percent. Were for people who felt who said they were hiding part of themselves at work. I imagine it would detra- it would really detract from productivity. And even the, taking the emotional side out, the accom- you, all those sort of workarounds you developed for yourself, if you hadn't had to go that all those extra miles to do that, and instead had been in more accommodating in environments, your productivity could have been that much more, that much quicker, all that kind of thing. Definitely. I mean, you know, how do you feel in an environment where you're completely comfortable versus an environment where you're trying to fit in, right? Um, exactly. And, and both in personal and professional settings. And that's why I said this is not about just, you know, disabilities or invisible disabilities. I think it's about, I use this line often, but I say, you know, every human is uniquely beautiful and uniquely flawed at the same time. Mm-hmm. There isn't a template. And, you know, I use the word normal in my blog, which is like, you know, I was trying to make sure people viewed me as normal. But then you realize that, like, what is normal? It's a template. Like, everyone's supposed to be exactly <laughs> the same and they're not. Right. Yeah. So maybe if you can share a little bit about, you know, what makes Arjun unique, you can share a little bit about what makes Ben unique. And by us understanding, what, you know, what our needs are and how we're unique, we can actually work together very effectively. Right. My belief is that, you know, 100 percent of the people on this planet have something that they would like to share that maybe they're holding back. And if everybody did, then it would, yeah. there'd be nothing that would be abnormal to share because everyone's just telling their story and everybody has I a story that. and it's, it's just, it's just different. Right. I, I love that. I'm going to make that my goal to get everyone to share something weird about themselves on this podcast. I think that's, yeah. uh, it's the right, the right platform yeah. to do it. But it's not, it's not even uh, weird, right? It's just like, if you think about it, like it's, we think it's like, it's like not normal. It's the not normal right. part of you, but there isn't such a thing as normal. Like it's just, isn't right. right. It's just this, if you make a list of the 150 things that are either flaws or strengths of people, it's just spread across humanity. Everyone has these things, right. Might not be Absolutely. evenly dis- d- divided. Certainly we know that, right. There's people who uh, are disadvantaged to a great degree, but I, I think there's something that everyone has to share. Definitely. And for people who might have an invisible disability that they might be a certain level of open or closed about, but maybe they're interviewing at companies, what are some ways that they can sort of feel out? Because I'm sure, I mean, it's hard enough when you're in a comfortable a setting with people that you're comfortable yeah. with and you're in a senior role to say, like, I need these accommodations. But if you're trying to get hired for something, 
I imagine that might feel like you're giving them a reason not to hire you. Like it's, you know, so you might not want to be open about that during the interview process. Do you think people should be open during the interview process and how can they sort of try to tell if a company, if it's a safe space for them to, for them to do that? Yeah. It's a very difficult question. So just, you know, to qualify, right? So invisible disabilities are disabilities that are not easily discernible uh, visually, right? So someone has something that impacts them health-wise that is not visible. I think to your question, it really depends, right? Like we got to remember, not everybody works in tech. Mm-hmm. People work all over the world in many industries, and um, most of them are not very open-minded about this. There are probably lots of companies on planet Earth where you know, you would be regarded as someone who can't effectively do the job. And also, we got to remember, right. even if you look at ADA law, you should be able to, with reasonable accommodations, do the job. So you can't, you know, like, I can't be a pilot, right? Like a tech, right. because my vision doesn't allow that. So you need to understand that there is jobs you cannot do, right? Yes. Um, with reasonable accommodations, you can be so much more effective. So you know, how do you make sure you ask for them? And I, I'm torn, I will tell you, like, I think there's the benefit of being upfront in an interview is that you could get an understanding of the company's stance right away before you join them, right? Right. I will tell you, it might not be relevant in an interview process. Like, I don't know how relevant to the interview process is that you have a disability. Like, I think you should just go through the interview process, but it is definitely the first thing I would share once I'm hired the only downside there is there is a possibility that once you're hired and you disclose it, you realize how accommodating the company is or is not, right? But hopefully, if you joined a place right. you want to be at, I think you should you know, use that as an opportunity to try and influence um, the culture there if it's not aligned with you know, where you need it to be. You'll be doing a favor to every future employee that joins the yes, company. exactly. Yeah. I mean, I have never ever brought it up in an interview, maybe if it just came up in some way. I do remember one time somebody did exactly this very casual uh, interview setting and uh, the person opened their laptop. They said, let me share some numbers with you because I want you to be aware of sort of where projections are. And I said, I can't see your laptop. I got a visual impairment. What's the best way for us to do this where I can actually see this? Like, do you want to pull it up on a bigger screen? Do you want to send me something? Do you want to screenshot it? Do you want to talk me through it? What's what's convenient here? But I won't mm. be able to see no matter how much you zoom your laptop in, I won't be <laughs> able to see it. So that's the one time I brought it up. And, you know, I didn't hesitate at all because I was in that setting. I was like, let's see how this goes. And, you know, they were flexible and didn't have a bearing on the decision. That's fantastic to hear. And, and yeah, I think definitely a lot to think through around whether or not it's a smart decision to bring it up. And, and you're right, it's, it's always, I always forget how much of a, of a bubble we're in, in terms yeah. of culture. And it's like, you know, mental health days and week of PTO and, yeah. you know, all these different, the, doing this sort of podcast. Like, this is not something that a lot of people get to. It's one of the things I love about tech and, and the industry and why I try to get everyone I know in, in, into it. But I think it's a really important point, too, to remember that it's, uh, we yeah. are in a bubble, for sure, when it comes to these sorts of yeah. things. Yeah, at the same time, we should, just because we're in a bubble, we should not we should keep doing this because it'll spread. It is already spreading. It's going to get outside of tech. It's going to get out of the major cities. It's going to get embraced by companies. And, you know, it'll start with tech companies in international markets, uh, which mm-hmm. are already doing this. And, you know, it's certainly, I would say there's there's a lot of countries who do this better than the US in terms of focus on, you know, work-life balance and things like that and accommodations. So, um, we can Definitely. also learn from them, but you know we should keep talking about this this subject. When, when it comes to some of the people who've reached out to you, I'm curious if there's any standout stories or or examples you can share, obviously anonymously, that have really resounded with you or or impacted you. 
you know, it's, it's crazy. I still have a huge list of people to reach back out to because it got like 400 inbounds that were very personal. I think the ones that stand out are Amplitude coworkers reaching out and saying, I have this exact condition. Um, at least, oh, wow. you know, eight or nine people, which is a lot, reaching out and sharing the exact condition that they had, including both very senior folks and very junior folks at the company wow. and, and sharing that and saying, this is what I've struggled with. Um, and this is the disability I have. I think the most heartwarming one was one of my team members who said, because of you shared, I feel comfortable sharing. And it's the first time mm. in my life I've been in a workplace where I can share. And, you know, it, it felt so good that just because mm. I wrote a blog post, it created a space for him to feel better about, you know, working here. So that was great. Another crazy one was a family member. So someone I've known my entire life telling me, oh my God. I didn't realize till I read the blog post, how severely this impacted your life. And the fact that I've known somebody all my life and lived with them at times and for them to not know, because like, it just tells you like how much of it I hid, right. And was mm. not transparent about. So that was kind of eye opening to, to see that. Another great one was um, reconnecting with people that I hadn't talked to in 25 years. So folks just reaching out on, on social uh, or getting hold of my phone number and saying, hey, you and I went to middle school together and we lost touch, but so-and-so forwarded me your blog post and like I read it and, and I'd love to get back in touch. And it's just amazing to rebuild bonds from like, you know, when you're 12, 13, 14 years old. Yeah, uh, seriously. It was just incredible. So, you know, that was great. So I think a lot of like positive things came out of it and uh, still following up on all of those things to be able to continue building on the momentum from that week. That's amazing. And and I mean, especially just that story of your of your team member. Um, so heartwarming. And it, and it just is a, that reminder, you know, we have to be the example for the people around us. And it goes back to what we were saying at the start. Like it's, it's about setting often being the first one opens the floodgates. And yeah. I wanted to ask how, how big is the amplitude team? 500 people. Okay. Yeah. So, cause I'm curious now I'm thinking, okay, we're about, we're about at the 100 mark. I can't think of anybody off the top of my head at Catalyst that has an invisible disability that I know of, but statistically I'm like, there's got, there must be. Yeah. And yeah, so I want, yeah. I, I'm definitely going to use this podcast as an excuse to be like anyone that wants to chat no one-on-one -on -one or anything we can help, you know, uh, yeah. I'm sure our, our people team would, would love to have that sort of discussion with our team and make sure that um, people know that it's, it's a space where they can, you know, we all want to accommodate and help each other. Yeah. I think just acknowledging and saying, um, you know, we recognize that there are disabilities that are undeclared. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I'll send them to you after the podcast. But it's a pretty staggering stat that, you know, um, the percentage of people that actually have an invisible disability and the percentage that declare it. And mm. the primary reason, the number one reason for people not declaring it is fear of people thinking you're faking it. That is the number one reason people don't declare invisible disabilities. So it's a little sad because um, you get accused of low productivity is kind of what ends up happening is, hey, you're not effective, you're you know, low performer, et cetera. So people just don't talk about it. I think just saying that, hey, we know that these things exist. We know that it impacts this percentage of the population. And we want to take a stance and let you know that if it's a reasonable accommodation, you should absolutely have that conversation. You can have it with your manager or with HR. We want to have that conversation with you. I think that that would be a huge step and you will find that, you know, you will see people reach out. When it comes to sort of, I mean, you put this out now, we talked a bit about, you know, the impact that it's had, but I'm curious, like reflecting on your career, is it something that you wish you did sooner? Were there any times that you specifically remember over the past, you know, 20 years 
where you really wanted to say something and you just sort of couldn't do it? I've had a lot of instances. So, I mean, I've had a lot of embarrassing moments. I think, you know, my last two companies just to attend the board meetings pretty regularly. And I think I have uh, not recognized a board member multiple times in a in a mm-hmm. broader setting. Both of them happened to be at company events where they were, I saw them like out of context in a different setting. And so I wonder how they viewed me. You know, did they view me as someone who was, you know, aloof and arrogant and and, you know, not giving them the you know recognition that you know you should give a board member and mm-hmm. and I should have just said hey I'm really sorry you know I'm sorry Ben I didn't recognize you you know a visual impairment um, that's happened to me a lot like the not recognizing somebody or introducing myself to somebody I know which is also mm-hmm. hugely embarrassing you know the next line as soon as you realize you made a mistake should be to explain to them why that mistake happened so they get it um, instead, I just like walked away. Um, and I've also had situations where I've been in very important meetings, um, offsite presentations, board meetings, et cetera, where I was sitting in the back of the room and I couldn't see anything that was being covered. And then you get the question. So what do you think? It's like being in class and not paying attention to the teacher. And, you know, so you wonder if it impacts your career and people's impression of you um, mm-hmm. and, and what you could have done differently. So, yes, I would go do it completely differently because here's the thing, Ben, I still do it. This is me writing one blog post doesn't change the fact that suddenly I'm like telling everybody that I have this impairment. I'm asking for accommodations. There are moments where I just give up and I'm like, forget it. I'll just go along with what's going on here. I don't want to disrupt the room's flow. You know, I've just gotten better at it but it's not perfect, right? It's very exhausting to constantly ask for people to do things for you. So, but you gotta push yourself because guess who's paying the price? You. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, that's that's kind of the lesson learned. So I'm still, still learning, but you know, that's kind of what I'm trying to impart on folks who are earlier in their careers is start, start early uh, because you know, you don't want to lose out on those, those learnings and those opportunities that, that are basically not created because you have, you know, set this barrier up for yourself, right? You've been held a rough hand or dealt a poor hand, but you need to find a way to navigate that, right? And make sure that you you can succeed. Hearing Arjun speak about the, the outpouring and the response that he got after he published his blog, especially from those close to him, family members, colleagues, it really made me makes me think about how many people in my life have invisible disabilities and I just don't know it. You know, obviously I'm someone who wants to be accommodating to everybody. I like to think that you know, people find me approachable or that they could ask me or tell me if they were experiencing an issue. But these things are quite personal and it might not be a reflection on me. It might just be that that person isn't ready to talk about it yet. So I think something I'm excited to dig deeper into with Arjun is, is figuring out what people and companies can do to create these environments where there is psychological safety, where it is something we talk about regularly, where people do feel that they can honestly be their their full selves, even if that requires asking for um, additional accommodations, whatever they might be. I can't imagine. It it must get exhausting needing to explain over and over and over again. Like, is it still something you find really frustrating or has it just sort of become routine like part of your life you've accepted it it doesn't frustrate you anymore does that ever go away i don't think when you ask for an accommodation it's difficult i think it's a little just exhausting to have to remember to ask for these things or if the Mm. moment passes by in a meeting where like you had this window where you could have asked for something and you didn't and the meeting's now in its flow do you really feel comfortable telling everybody to pause and can you even do it in a zoom setting right if it's a large setting 
my personally don't need a lot of accommodations in Zoom, but people with hearing impairments do, right? Right. Uh, they need closed captioning to be turned on. And if the meeting's already going, you know, how do you say, hey, time out, can somebody please pause and turn this on? Because I have no idea what you guys are saying, right? Mm. It is exhausting, but I think you have to put a very positive lens on it and have a very positive attitude about it and, and focus on the benefit and the constructive nature of it. And again, if you work with the same people, you don't need to do it all the time. If you do it enough times, most people will become aware. Right. I, I love I love this thing. Like nowadays, when I go to meetings, there are certain people in a one on one setting, they'll share their Zoom and they'll say, is the font size OK for you? Right. Nice. And I always, I always tell them, oh, no, I'm good. I've got my own Zoom settings. Or, But I love that they start the meeting and say, is this is the size OK for you, Arjun? And, mm. and I, I appreciate that. Um, and they are there for them. It's top of mind that when Arjun's on the call, always check. It's really great. I love it. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's really wonderful. Makes me think of, you know, when you forget someone's name halfway through a conversation or something, which I do constantly, but it's been, or you've, you've been hanging out with them, but now it's too late to, or it's now uncomfortable to ask for their name. It's a great parallel. Like it's, it. it's, it's a great example. I think, I think it's ridiculous that we feel uncomfortable asking people's names again, right? You're like just pretending that you don't know their name. <laughs> exactly. Um, isn't there like a friends episode like that? Or like, where like Chandler's like called the wrong name the whole time. Oh yeah. And it's he, true. He like goes I, I by work. for like, yeah, he had that whole, yeah, it's, it's really, yeah, it's, it's, it can be funny. I can't, but... re- I can't remember what the name was, but yeah, he's been, he, for like years or something, everyone just called him Toby. It was Toby. Toby. Everyone was calling Toby. him. Toby, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's, uh, that's fantastic. So when it comes to the future of invisibility.org, um, which is a fantastic domain, I'm, I'm not surprised you had to grab it 11 years ago because I'm like, there's no way you could get, have gotten that now. <laughs> What's your, your, your vision for the future of the, the, are you building a community? Are you going to be get, sourcing more stories like this, sharing more from your personal experiences? Um, or is it sort of still sort of TBD or, or in, in stealth mode? I have a rough idea. I'm glad it's out there. Um, I want it to be a resource. Initially, it's going to be primarily a reading resource, right? It's going to have a catalog of blogs and stories uh, from me and hopefully other people soon, which really inspire and uh, allow people to understand that it's okay, that there's other people who have all these other conditions out there and Mm -hmm. that are just like you, right? They may have slightly different conditions, but they're dealing with the same challenges. And that, that's the theme. Like everybody who read it, who had a condition said, I feel the exact same way. It's like mm-hmm. my my frustration that other people don't quite get what I'm going through. Right. And, and I'm mm-hmm. glad that somebody else is going through it and I'm not alone. Um, so it's intended to be very like uh, inspire people and, and empower them. Uh, there's a section called empower cards. Uh, you know, it's it's to empower them to speak up and basically stand up for themselves, right? That is kind of the overall focus. I do think it's gonna be go beyond blogs. Um, I think with the right amount of you know investment, it can become a place where people can go and actually schedule sessions and say, you know, I'd like to get a you know 30 minute mentoring session with another person who's going through this and feels like they've kind of figured it out, right? Um, uh, so those are some of the things I wanna do. I wanna do events, um, you know, I wanna start with in-person events when, when things open up. I'm definitely doing a lot of speaking since that blog came out. Um, and even if, you know, every speaking engagement touches, you know, 50, 100 people, it's good enough. It's it's, um, oh, yeah. it's having a little bit of an impact. Yeah. I mean, even if it impacts one person, you know, then then I think so. It's I worth agree. Doing. I totally agree. I think, you know, any one of those responses I got already made it worth worthwhile because you, you touch one human being's life. 
it, it is amazing, Arjun. And I'm so appreciative of you sharing your story and, and coming on the podcast and sharing it again. And I mean, I've had personal thing takeaways I can bring back to Catalyst and, and sort of keep spreading the message. And um, I look forward to seeing the growth of invisibility.org. And thank you again for, for being so open about all of this. Well, thank you, Ben, for giving me the opportunity to come speak. You, you guys are giving me a platform to continue the dialogue that I started. And um, as, again, as I said, I'm hugely appreciative of um, what Catalyst is doing, uh, focusing on the space. It's so, so important to remember that normal is not a thing. We all have things that make us weird, unique, and different. Some are good, some are bad, some are right in the middle, um, some are obvious, or so, and some are easy to hide. But no matter what, everyone has a thing. And the problem is we spend a lot of our mental energy trying to hide our thing or our things. And that takes up time and energy that you could be using towards actual productive things in your life. And obviously there are many valid reasons in many situations for people to want to hide certain aspects of themselves. But that's why it's so important that when we have these opportunities to, to speak about them and bring them into the light, whether it's someone like Arjun talking about an invisible disability, whether it's someone talking about their sexuality, whether it's someone talking about, you know, a learning disability that they had or that they have or having dyslexia, you know, there are all of these things that might not be super obvious on the surface, but once someone says them or starts talking about them, then it creates that safety for everybody else to feel accepted and feel like they can ask for accommodations that they need. That's why I love being able to have folks like Arjun on the podcast. And I hope that if any of you have that opportunity now or in the future to be that person, to raise your hand and say like, this is what I need in order to be successful at my job, or this is something that I've always hidden about myself and I, I don't want to hide it anymore. I hope that you have that opportunity to be that person because as scary as it might be to talk about things that do make you different, when you start getting that feedback from people around what you've done in terms of them being able to be open or them being able to get the accommodations they need and for you to maybe finally get the, the accommodations that you need for yourself, nothing is more rewarding than that feeling. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, please rate us five stars and leave a review. Make sure to subscribe. And if you want to reach out to us, our email is community at getcatalyst.io.